Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. Machinists on strike. In Ohio, the big issue, mandatory overtime. Fred Redman, Secretary-Treasurer of the AFL-CIO, talking about Apprenticeship Week. It's day number three. And today on the show, it's the American Federation of Government Employees, and we check in with the insulators in Chicago. Welcome to the Wednesday, November 16th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least six platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. Willie Haywood Jr. is going to be our first guest on the show today, and this is our segment we do each and every month with one of our national sponsors. That would be the American Federation of Government Employees. Willie's in charge of the National Veterans Affairs Council in the 6th District for AFGE. And recently they had a election of uh, members of that council. He'll run that down. We'll talk about organizing, getting out the vote, what they did last week, what they're looking forward to in 2024. And then we're also going to get into the uh, PACT Act. But when it comes to organizing, wow, (laughs) AFGE really did pretty darn well in the month of October. Last month, the union added the most members of any October in five years and had the most net growth, a gain of 677 members since 2015. According to the union, this growth isn't happening by accident. It's part of a sustained and sustainable organizing push that's happening all across the Federation. Leaders at the local Council, district, national level came into this year focused on organizing new members, growing the union, building power, winning improvements for government workers that they represent. Comment here from uh, David Kahn. David is the uh, membership and organizing director. He's been on the show a couple of times. He said, we're showing what's possible when unions commit to an organization-wide organizing effort. Folks are out there doing exciting stuff at every level of the union, and the results are in the numbers. And Willie will take a look at what's going on in his uh, in his council. And if you go to afge.org, there's a couple of tips and resources. Those of you that are working in various locals with uh, AFGE might want to check that out and uh, follow their lead. As I mentioned, we'll take a look at uh, what the union did last week in the uh, midterm. Got a comment here from Everett Kelly, who is their uh, national president. And he's thanking all the active and retired members who volunteered their time to help elect AFGE endorsed candidates. Check this out. This year, more than 370 volunteers completed more than 1,500 volunteer shifts. Their efforts to reach out to union members through phone banks and neighborhood walks are a critical part of our democratic election process. And I can't thank them enough for their service. In addition, the union sent out more than 415,000 mailers and tens of thousands of texts and emails. 
<laughs> and it obviously worked. Now on to the PACT Act. Now that's an acronym for Promise to Address Comprehensive Toxic Act, which was signed into law in August by uh, President Biden. And uh, there's, a, there's a lot of information on the Internet, and uh, Willie, obviously head of the uh, Veteran Affairs Council, is very uh, close to the situation. We'll run down what uh, what can be done here for so many vets. I mean, if you go on uh, on the website, you can see the breakdown, Gulf War post 9-11 vets. We're talking burn pit, toxic exposure, cancers that have developed over the years, like brain cancer, kidney cancer, lymphoma of any type, neck cancer, pancreatic cancers on the list as well reproductive cancer of any type, and then there's illnesses like asthma, chronic bronchitis, sinusitis, emphysema, Agent Orange, going back to the Vietnam era. It's also on the list here, and uh, radiation exposure. And they've got a list of various locations. I'm looking some going back to uh, 1968. So lots to talk about with our first guest, Willie Haywood Jr. Robert McGuckin will be joining us later in the show on behalf of the uh, Heat and Frost Insulators. This is Local 17 of their Joint Apprenticeship Training Council out of Chicago. Website local17insulators.com. International website insulators.org. Robert is the training director, as I indicated, for uh, Local 17. He began his career as an insulator going back to 1986 after he graduated from high school, and then he went to Indiana University. Well, during his freshman year of college, he had the opportunity to become an apprentice insulator. So he accepted that. Now, I don't know if he can if he continued college, but uh, we'll find out a little bit later in the show. But he is really, really engaged in Local 17 after completing his five-year apprenticeship. He was asked if he would help with teaching new apprentices. He worked in the field much of the, much of the time as an insulation superintendent at several nuclear power plants. Did part-time teaching of apprentices until 2006. That's when he was hired by the union to become their marketing director. After three years of being marketing director, he was then hired to be a full-time training director. And a training facility that they have is one of the largest insulator training facilities in North America. Pretty impressive. We'll talk about uh, Apprenticeship Week. Again, this is day number three. And uh, what specifically the insulators are doing to get the word out how that is a pathway to the middle class. Cannot repeat that enough. What they're doing to target youth, especially in the high schools. In fact, a lot of the trades are targeting middle schools now. So we'll get into that and also the need for minorities and women to know that apprenticeships are an option for a career. So uh, Robert McGuckin will be our, our second guest on the show. While we're on the topic of apprentices, by the way, this is part of our segment that we uh, update each and every day. Brought to you by Boyd Watterson Asset Management. You can find more at boydwatterson.com. Fred Redman, who we feature on the show as our first Friday with Fred. In fact, he'll be on um, in a couple of weeks here on America's Workforce. He is now the Secretary-Treasurer of the AFL-CIO. 
And uh, he sent out a video yesterday talking about National Apprenticeship Week. Let's listen to Fred Redman here. Hello, I'm Fred Redman, Secretary Treasurer of the AFL-CIO, and happy National Apprenticeship Week. The labor movement has long championed registered apprenticeships because we know that they offer more than just a job. They offer hope and a path to life-changing careers. So the AFL-CIO recently launched our partnership with the Permission to Dream program to expand access to apprenticeship opportunities for students in underserved communities. A union job helped lift my family out of poverty and allowed us to live a life of dignity, and we want that for every working person in America. And by opening up more pathways to apprenticeships, we'll get there. Thank you. Just a little snippet there from Fred Redman, the AFL-CIO Secretary-Treasurer, and we'll be hearing more from him in a couple of weeks. Yeah, this is the 8th Annual National Apprenticeship Week. Today, the programs are targeting expanding registered apprenticeship programs to underserved populations. That's huge. That's really huge. And I have to salute the partnership with the AFL-CIO on the Permission to Dream program. We have talked about that on the show extensively. And this is a partnership with the Chris Gardner Foundation. Chris Gardner was the, uh, well, if you saw the movie Pursuit of Happiness, you got to check that movie. It came out decades ago. And Will Smith plays Chris Gardner in that. And it's, it's a rags-to-riches story. And Chris Gardner wants to give back. And what he's doing now is partnering with the building trades and the AFL-CIO to target those underserved communities. And that's what today is all about. That's what it's all about. We have another strike to talk about. Some 133 members of Machinist Local 1802, that would be District 54, are on strike at Nordson Corporation, located in Amherst, Ohio. Now, the strike happened after the union overwhelmingly voted to reject the company's last best and final contract offer. How many times have you heard that, right? Well, this offer included the continued practice of mandatory overtime and a requirement of working on most Saturdays of the year. The strike began early Monday morning, just after midnight, as local 1802 members demanded a contract that instills respect and dignity in the workplace. Workers at Nordson manufacture products used for dispensing adhesives, coatings, sealing, and other uses for end products that include packaging, electronics, as well as medical equipment. T. Dean Wright Jr. is District 54 president and a business rep. He said IAM members at Nordson put themselves and their families at risk during a pandemic to ensure their critical jobs were done and this company remained successful. Well, now, now we're simply asking for a respectable contract that has a basic level of work-life balance for our members. We are a critical part of this community and its economy, and we're grateful for all the support of these dedicated workers taking a stand for themselves as well as their families. That's T. Dean Wright, Jr., who's District 54 president and business rep for the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers. 
Five former Twitter employees have sued the company under the Federal Worker Adjustment and Retraining Notification Act, or better known as the WARN Act, which requires employers to provide advance notice, generally within 60 days, of mass layoffs or plant closings. Well, in Twitter's case, the layoffs began on the night of November 3rd, less than a week after Elon Musk acquired the company on October 27th. The company is expected to cut at least 50% of its workforce, or 3,700 people. Apparently, that number has gone up to 75%. Well, in response to criticism, this is what Musk posted. Regarding Twitter's reduction in force, unfortunately, there is no choice when the company is losing over $4 million a day. Everyone exited was offered three months of severance, which is 50% more than legally required. Now, if the WARN Act claims are successful... Twitter could be liable for back pay and benefits for the period of the violation. It's interesting. This company was very successful until Elon Musk bought it. And there are some that are saying it may go bankrupt. Here's the thing I don't understand. It's a successful company because of the people that worked in that company. So here comes a guy that comes and decides to fire half to 75% of the workforce, and all of a sudden it's losing money, so they get rid of more people. I just don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. All right, I got to take a break. Willie Haywood Jr. on behalf of the American Federation of Government Employees coming up next. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. Hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland at 216-881-1802. Call Music Talent of Cleveland as your dependable source for professional musicians in Northeast Ohio. Union musicians add harmony to weddings, elegance to parties, and uplifting music for all events. Music Talent of Cleveland contracts solo and ensemble musicians as well as bands and orchestras for single engagements. So hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland today. 216-881-1802. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The, the United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the US, US, Canada, and, and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steelworkers. Standing strong and fighting for what's right. The United Auto Workers are one of the largest and most diverse unions in North America, with members in virtually every sector of the economy. Learn more about this proud sponsor of our program at UAW.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrance with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook and follow us on Twitter if there's anything left of Twitter. AWFunion.com. AWFunion.com. Make sure you get the word union in there. Let's go to line number one. 
Welcome a dear friend and one of the many supporters and sponsors of America's Workforce. I'm talking about Willie Haywood Jr. Willie is president of the National Veterans Affairs Council 6th District, which includes Ohio, Indiana, and Kentucky. And uh, last week, when we had the midterms on Tuesday, we also had an election of the National Veteran Affairs Council members. And Willie's here to talk about that and much more. Willie Haywood, how are we doing today, my brother? Hey, I'm doing fine. How you be? Good, 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 good. It's good to hear your voice, and I thank you for uh, supporting America's workforce. we got a big audience, especially, what is it, Local 31? How many members in Local 31, Willie? Oh, they have a good over 1,000 members, uh, to my knowledge. Okay, okay. Yeah, they they represent the uh, Lou Stokes VA Center in Cleveland, Ohio. We appreciate their support. So let's talk about, well, we, I want to get into the midterms, too, because I know uh, National did a really good job of getting information out to the members. But talk to me about what happened with, uh, with the National Veteran Affairs Council, the election last week. Go ahead. Oh, well, we had our, our, our election uh, last week also. No, and our bylaws, we have to conduct them every three years. And uh, we, and during our election, uh, we retained the uh, officer that was uh, presently uh, you know, holding the office, uh, Ms. Uh, Elma Lee. She retained her presidency. And uh, we had uh, M.J. Burke. Uh, she was the first re-elected as the first vice president. And Oscar L. Williams, he was elected as the second vice president. And Mr. Bill Whitmore, he retained his position as the third vice president. And uh, that's our structure there. Okay. So was there any discussion about uh, the future of the National Veterans Affairs Council? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, as far as our agenda that's uh, in the rising in the future, uh, main thing is try to uh, organize more members because the pandemic and the uh, shutdown uh, of the former, you know, administration that hurt our membership uh, during the two- or three-year period that uh, there was an office. Mm-hmm. Well, I know you're doing a good job nationally on organizing. I want to get into that. But I, I saw this story on the website, and uh, I, I would like to hear your point of view on it. And apparently, and this is the power of unions, it, it's really important with uh, – with solidarity, when people collectively get together, they get things done. And this is a victory for the National VA Council because uh, the VA <laughs> has agreed to comply with privacy laws and their own regulations. And let me explain what happened here. This was after the National VA Council filed a grievance against the agency for disclosing more than 500 thousand employees records of COVID-19 vaccination status without the permission of the employees. Now, here's the deal. In October last year, the agency disclosed a list of all employees who had certified their COVID-19 vaccination status in accordance with the VA's COVID vaccination mandate policy. I get that. I mean, you said they got to get your vaccine, so it's done. Now, the list included employee names and positions. That was sent to a number of people in senior leadership positions, including their executive assistants and support staff, which violated the Privacy Act by disclosing personally identifiable information to individuals within the department without the express written consent of employees 
or under any routine use or exception of Title V. This this is ridiculous. Uh, was any was anybody talking about this last week at the at the Veterans Affairs Council? I mean, it's it's amazing that this happened. And again, hats off to the union for for you know calling attention to this and making some amends. I'd like to hear your point of view, Willie. You know, when they came out with the directive on how to proceed and implement the uh, the COVID vaccine. No, we put in our demand a bargain, and then we let them, and we strongly uh, told them that, you know, that certain people, you know, according to the guidelines and the HIPAA law, that, you know, only certain people should have this information. But they just said, the heck with it, and uh, came up with their own directive or guidance from central office uh, implementing how they wanted uh, this to be done as far as uh, uh no, implementing the vaccine, and it even uh, had an uh, impact on some employees uh, who uh, did not you know disclose uh, that they were going to have the vaccine or not. And uh, like I said, it had an impact on them uh, pertaining to their position. Someone's even reassigned. So I hats goes off to our great legal team that we had at the National VA Council. Uh, when they filed the grievance, and we prevailed, you know, uh, when it came to the arbitrated ruling. It's amazing to me that they, well, they violated federal law, and they violated their own policies. Go Just ahead. amazing. Just amazing to me. Okay, you, you touched on organizing. Well, what's the game plan here for, for organizing here, Willie? Well, nationwide, you no, know, we are, are encouraging all our locals to uh, uh, pardon in new high orientation and make sure that we, by our master agreement, our collective bargaining agreement, that can participate in new hiring orientation to let them know that there's a union you know, at your uh, local facility. And also we uh, are going to have what we call lunch and learn sessions uh, that is uh, being conducted you know, uh, with the uh, – Union representative knows uh, not on the clock, but they can you know, set up seminars and information booths and things of that niche like that to encourage employees to uh, uh, look at the union and join the union also. And this is on a nationwide scale. And we also have, uh, let's say, uh, certain prizes and bonuses as far as who can recruit the most uh, employees and uh uh, make it competitive also on a nationwide scale. Mm-hmm. You know, the key word in what you just said is not on the clock. It's right. important. Yeah, it's important because if you're supposed to be working, you should be working. And uh, and I know sometimes people get a little, uh, maybe uh, a little too aggressive on that because I know they want to organize, but it's it's important that you do that off the clock. And, and that's, but I got to salute you here because uh, I'm looking, you're, you're, and for a couple of months now, National has reported a big boost in uh, union membership. I see in October, just last month, your union added the most new members of any October in five years. So obviously the game plan is working. And, um, and you know, Willie, let's be honest here. Don't you think the climate, especially under the current White House administration, is a little bit more union friendly right now? 
Yeah, it's, it's a little bit more union friendly, but we still have some stepping stones that we have to uh, still try to knock out that still is in place from the previous administration. Uh, the one good thing is about, like you stated, uh, they have uh, replaced some individuals on the fair on the federal labor relations authorities, and plus uh, they have uh, filled up the uh, merit. Uh, uh, MSPB Merit Protection Board uh, individuals and make things better and and, and move along, and especially in the Federal uh, Labor Relations Authority because uh, that was no like a general counsel when we uh, did appeals, and it couldn't be done until had until they had all the uh, individuals in place there. So it was like at a standstill for a good three years. Mm-hmm. No, as far as filing unfair labor practices and things of the nature like that. So now things are pretty much so rolling along now. But yeah. there's backlog, but at least it's moving. Yeah, at least it's going in the right direction. It, it's like moving. Yeah, it's like moving a mountain. And there was a lot of damage done in the previous administration. So we're on slowly but surely unwinding that. Right. Willie Haywood Jr. joining us on our live line today is president of the National Veterans Affairs Council on behalf of the American Federation of Government Employees. That's the 6th District, which includes Ohio, Indiana, and Kentucky. Later in the show, we're going to Chicago, Illinois, and we're going to check in with the Heat and Frost Insulators, Local 17, their joint apprenticeship training council. Back in a few minutes. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferrens. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's liuna.org. Hello from the Communication Workers of America, District 4. We are a labor union representing a vast array of workers in different industries, including the Association of Flight Attendants, Telecommunications, CWA Passenger Services, Public Health Care, and Education Workers, the IUE, CWA Industrial Division, the National Association of Broadcast Employees, the CWA News Guild, not to mention our growing digital sector, and many others. If you're interested in organizing your work group or learning more about what it means to be CWA strong, visit our website at www.cwad4.org. That's cwad4.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Waterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at boydwaterson.com. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And don't forget, you can check us out on at least six platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora and Stitcher, and when you get an opportunity, just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. Before we get back to a Willie Haywood Jr., just want to mention that tomorrow is the scheduled release for the annual 
Made in the USA Holiday Gift Guide, which is put together by one of our great sponsors, that is the Alliance for American Manufacturing. It's the 2022 Made in America Holiday Gift Guide, and they just released a poll of consumer attitudes for buying American-made products, and that's going to be released as well. Looking forward to that. So hats off to uh, Scott Paul and the crew over at the Alliance, AmericanManufacturing.org, for complete updates. Let's go uh, back to our live line rejoin, Willie Haywood, Jr. Willie is with the American Federation of Government Employees, and he is president of the National Veterans Council in the 6th District. That covers Ohio, Indiana, and Kentucky. Big territory. Loves his job. And he's making, making a difference. Organizing. Making things happen at the polls. And also... The PACT Act, and this is something, Willie, we've been talking about this for quite some time. In fact, we have a segment we do on the third Friday of each and every month with the American Legion. We're going to feature them this Friday. And uh, yeah, this PACT Act, which is an acronym for the Promise to Address Comprehensive Toxic Acts of 2022. And what it essentially does, it expands the VA's health care and benefits for veterans exposed to burn pits and other toxic substances. So with that being said, obviously you got the VA council here. You got to be getting out the word on all this. And uh, I'd like to get, uh, get your take on this and far as what the union is doing to get the word out. Go ahead. Well, we're getting the word out uh, to all the veterans that uh, feel that they was uh, involved in the burn pits uh, and the toxic uh, situation. And this is uh, expanding uh, in other areas also during, uh, on the act. The language is, is, uh, is uh, pretty uh, you know, uh, defined on what areas are, are covered, as you stated. And uh, even uh, as far as uh, the uh, Camp Lejeune situation, it's kind of like tied up uh, in, in the fact that because it does cover like I, like I stated, outside of uh, the toxic burn pits, there's other uh, chemical elements that's this possibility that you can file uh, with the Veterans uh, Benefits Association, VBA. Mm-hmm. And uh, it also expands a uh, uh, wide uh, uh, latitude to our medical center facilities uh, as far as trying to retain uh, certain positions and uh uh, they, they give the medical center uh, uh, directors uh, authorities to um, know, uh, increase the salaries of uh, uh, positions that we have on hand, and uh, plus uh, it addresses the hiring situation. So it covers a wide variety of things uh, pertaining to the fact that outside of just, uh, you know, um, giving them uh, our veterans uh, uh know the power to, to file certain uh, disabilities that they think they have under this under this fact act. Willie, I was uh, looking at this earlier, and I stand corrected because uh, I said it goes back to 68. I'm looking now. It looks like 1962. So we're going back 60 years, 60 years. And there's uh, several locations. One of them is uh, any U.S. or Royal Thai military base in Thailand from right. January 9th of 1962 through June 30th of 1976. Uh, Laos, Vietnam, Laos would be uh, 
1965 through 69. Cambodia's on the list. These are obviously uh, dealing with Agent Orange. Right. That's one of them. Yeah. There's yeah. Ra- there, there's a lot of uh, cancers that have been connected to right. uh, military duty. You mentioned Camp Lejeune. Boy, I'll tell you, I can't go five minutes without hearing anything about Camp Lejeune. I mean, it's, it's, there, I, I think the lawyers are lining up on that one, don't you think, Willie? Uh, yes, I mean, uh, you thought the uh, election advertisements was worse. Uh, they about just, a, just a <laughs> bad, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah go- I bet a, a big part of the population is going to be Gulf War and post-9-11 vets. We're talking brain cancer, head cancer of any type, kidney, lymphatic cancer of any type, lymphoma, melanoma, pancreatic, reproductive cancer respiratory, breathing-related cancer of any type, and then there's illnesses like asthma, bronchitis, right. sinusitis, emphysema, and all that. Do you have, do you have any, uh, any friends or relatives that are suffering any of these right now that might, uh, might qualify, Willie? Well, the, the probably so, but not, uh, nobody as far as any uh, associates that I am aware of have came forward or, or have expressed concern about uh, the, uh, any of these symptoms, but I'm pretty sure that there may be. Like, I'm a Vietnam Air veteran, so uh, we know quite a few folks went through Vietnam uh, as far as, uh, like you stated, uh, Asian Orange and stuff of that nature like that. So, But as far as any close associates of mine, I'm not aware of at this time. Yeah. Boy, you survived a tough war, brother. What, what years were you over there in Nam? Well, I was uh, from 68 to 72. Okay. Okay. That was a tough time in America. A lot of changes happening at that time. Oh, yes, yes. But I was one of, uh, I of the fortunate ones. Uh, I was a U.S. Navy veteran, and I you know, was uh, with the Atlantic Fleet, majority of my tour. Okay. Yeah, you were lucky, no doubt. Yeah. Okay, I want to switch gears here a little bit and talk about what happened at the polls last week. And I know National is jumping up and down with the with the results. A lot of the races that they got involved with, the uh, the candidates won. And uh, in fact, I got a comment here from your general president Everett Kelly of the 281 races that AFGE endorsed this year. We're on track to win 235 of those contests, which is an 83.6% success rate. Hey, I'll take that to the bank. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, you and me both, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good stuff there. Uh, yeah. What do you attribute that to, uh, Willie? What, what happened last week? Well, we, uh, like I said, we uh, have a, a pretty active uh, political uh, section in at the national level and at the national VA council level. And uh, as far as uh, the elections, the general election and the midterm, we always try to participate and help with the candidates that we do endorse. And uh, unfortunately, we know we tried here to uh, get the Senate seat. Uh, I want to take my hat off to Mr. Uh, Steve Campisi. You know, he's a, a political person. Uh, for uh, uh, the sixth district, and he's uh, from uh, originally from local 31, uh, and uh, we tried very hard, you know, on, uh, on uh, Mr. Uh, the Ryan, uh behalf. But mm-hmm. outside of that, we were successful in a lot of local uh, areas, uh, 
nationwide. And uh, our main thing was uh, try to keep the House and the Senate, if all possible, because we did not want to go back to the Trump era uh, individuals that we know were still out there trying to make inroads into the political arena again. Yeah. But uh, we uh, got our team together and helped participate in any you know, way we could as far as with the uh, AFL CIO with them and, and other uh, unions that was, uh, you know, uh, help uh, endorsing candidates that to keep and maintain our political uh, association with. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it surprised a lot of people last week, no doubt about that. And it's hard to believe that some of these elections, they still haven't figured them out yet, but uh, it's taken time. But, hey, you know, the Democrats are able to hold on to the Senate, and that's very, very important. Right, um, right. That, that, at least we did uh, retain that part of yeah. the Yeah. 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 Um, one more question here. 2024. Uh, <laughs> I know. I know. It, it. It. It seems like it's a long way off, but it really isn't. And I'm just wondering what. Do you, have you? Has there any been any, any discussion about 2024 right now? Well, we're gonna uh, probably uh, have our. We have uh, like I stated, uh, certain committees uh, like our advisory board, which is our political arm uh, of the uh, union at the national and. Uh, uh, National Bay Council level, and we meet occasionally uh, to discuss uh, how we're going to uh, strategize and who we are going to endorse to make sure that, uh, you know, when 2024 do roll around, that we have our, our forces together and ready to roll out and uh, get uh, keep or maintain or, and, and take over the House and the Senate if possible. There you go. All right, Willie, we'll wrap it up there. Willie Haywood, Jr., who is president of the National Veterans Affairs Council, that would be the 6th District, which includes Ohio, Indiana, and Kentucky. Willie, always a pleasure talking with you. Any parting words for our audience today? Uh, Yes. uh, As a fellow veteran, I want to say uh, thank you to the veterans out there that served and that uh, we are always uh, uh, willing to help them any way we can. And thanks for serving again. Thank you. And you're included in that, buddy. Willie Haywood Jr. All All right. right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to the city of Chicago. Check in with the heat and frost insulators, Local 17. Back in a few minutes. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. 
We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AFGE. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. Now... Back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And don't forget, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency, always connecting people with employment. Good employment, I might add. ULAgency.org. Let's go to Chicago, Illinois right now. Joining us on line number two is Mr. Robert McGuckin. And Robert is a training director for the Heat and Frost Insulators Local 17 Joint Apprenticeship Training Council. He goes back... To being an insulator in the year of 1986. That's going back in the time. Let's see. Ronald Reagan was president. Things were a whole lot cheaper then, too. <laughs> Different time in America, I often say on the show. Mr. McGuckin, welcome to America's Workforce. How are we doing today, my brother? Good. Thank you for having me. Talk to me about your uh, your climb. And it's an interesting history because uh, you started in college. And, you know, this is National Apprenticeship Week, as you know. And we like to get the word out about what's going on with apprenticeships, the pathway to the middle class. You were going to college, and then all of a sudden, the insulators came around. Talk to me about that part of your life, Robert. So I am a a second-generation union insulator, so my father was an insulator um, with the same local out of Chicago. And so I had previously worked, you know, summers and stuff as kind of a helper um, and doing uh, asbestos removal, which is, is part of our trade. And um, I just, when I got out of high school, uh, the apprenticeship wasn't open up. Um, so I, uh, you know, always can, thought I was just going to go to college. Um, I went to Indiana University for a year. And during that year, toward the end of my second semester, um, there was a big explosion at one of the powerhouses and they needed asbestos removers to clean things up. And they had the uh, business manager at the time had called and uh, my father and said, Hey, is your son want to come back and work this summer? And he said, I'm sure he does, you know, cause I was paying for college um, myself. And uh, I ended up, they asked me if I could come back early. So I left school, came back, uh, started working on that job and about Four months later or so, they opened up the apprenticeship, and I took the test, and I was very fortunate, as young as I was, to get in, because back then, it was a little bit different. They had uh, an age restriction, so you couldn't get in um, if you were over 30 years old, so typically most of the apprentices were right at that cutoff date of, you know, 30 years old, um, and I was uh, wet behind the years, 19-year-old, you know, mm-hmm. um, so, so yeah, that started my... Uh, my career, I got in the apprenticeship and, and then kind of progressed through through that. 
And now you're training director for Local 17. That's that's cool. I have to ask you, you mentioned asbestos removal, and uh, that raised a red flag on my end. How are you today? That That's uh, a lot of people suffering from that, various cancers. Yeah, I, are you I okay? I am very fortunate. Yes, I am very fortunate. I came in in a time where um, it was regulated, and... So when I did removal, you know, there were safety precautions, there were showers, there were containments built, there was respirators worn. Um, you know, unfortunately, the guys my, in my father's generation, um, you know, him being one of them, were installing the insulation, the asbestos and didn't have any protection. So, um, yeah, I, quite a bit different from when we started doing the removal to, to the generation that was installing it. Okay, Robert, what about your dad? Is your is your dad okay since uh, he was in that time period where, where there wasn't much protection? So he does have asbestosis, which, you know, a lot of the, the, the people in his generation who worked in the insulation industry have. Um, but his has not progressed um, to where it has, has affected his health. Um, okay. So, you know, thankfully he's, he's, I think, 18 years now as a pensioner, so... He's doing pretty good compared to most in our trade. Yeah, well, he's got a good pension because of the insulators union. So uh, yeah. every day is yeah. a blessing. That's what I say. Every day is a blessing. Absolutely. You work hard, especially in the trades, and you want to enjoy that uh, comfort part of your life in your in, in in the years when you leave the profession. Let Let's talk about apprenticeship week. Uh, anything uh, this week, as you know, I mean, there's different uh, parts, different components to it. Monday was. Uh, registered apprenticeships for new and emerging industries yesterday they were targeting youth today it's uh, expanding apprenticeship programs to underserved populations and i know you want to talk about the need for minorities and women and i know national is doing a lot on this can you uh, tell us uh, where we stand with local 17 in that area the chicago area so yeah my most difficult um i guess uh, group to make aware of the apprenticeship. And I, and a lot of it is just the awareness factor. Um, you know, we are a very small trade compared to the other trades. Everybody knows of the electricians and the carpenters, you know, um, but when you're an organization that's only, you know, 23,000 members, you know, across the United States and Canada, people don't really know about us or even what we do. Uh, most youth, when I go out and do outreach, you know, and you say insulation, they immediately think the pink fluffy stuff in the walls and the attics, you know, and I have to go through explaining to them that's not what we do. We do mechanical insulation. So a lot of it is just the awareness thing, making people aware that we are an option and a very good option, um, uh, not just from the other trades, but from, you know, going to the traditional four-year school and coming out with massive debt and, and those type of things. So it, it's been a struggle for me to uh, reach the minority um, communities to make them aware because a lot of them don't have relatives who come from a union background. Um, so, but it's surprisingly, I get a, a lot of female um applicants um but i we do struggle on the uh african-american male um 
applicants. Um, so that's what I've kind of been focusing on over the last couple of years is reaching those underserved communities and, and trying to make them aware that this is a, a, a good choice for um, a career path, you know, and a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of that has to do with reaching them at an earlier age too. You know, by the time most people are a senior in high school, they have some type of plan of what they're going to do. Um, so we seem to be targeting more and more younger, trying to get to the freshman and even the junior high sometimes um, students. So they're they're aware that this is a choice. Yeah. You know, it's funny you bring that up because I've been talking to a lot of trades on the show and they're hitting the middle schools, to your point, because they want to get yes. them. When, when they're thinking, even before they get into high school, that, that, that there is a good career out there. You, you mentioned uh, women. Uh, it's good to hear that uh, you're, you're bringing women into the, the insulators over there. My question is, are you keeping them? Because I, I know retention is, is a big issue because, you know, they got, they got child care issues. Uh, what happens if they get pregnant? I mean, there's a lot of issues there. How are we dealing with that over there? So nationally, that that is a focus on how do we uh, accommodate, you know, stuff like you just said, the pregnancy issue, um, stuff like that. On a local level, we are a little bit different compared to a lot of the locals around the country in the fact that Chicagoland is a super strong um, union marketplace. So we have a, more work available. Um, and we only take in the amount of apprentices that we think we can keep working year round. So we honestly do not have an issue with retention. Um, I, I'm probably at about 98% um, graduation rate for those who enter the apprenticeship. Um, So I know, I know I'm an anomaly with that, you know, uh, but because of our, you know, wage package and the availability of work, um, we seem to be do really well um, with retention. Um, and, you know, we are a, a, a trade that first, I, I just believe that um, we're a very good trade for um, females uh, to enter. It's, and not that females can't lug bricks around all day or, you know, weld and do all the other trades. But we're more of a, I would say, a uh, aerobic type yeah. of trade. We're up and down ladders and climbing nonstop. But you're not, you know, we're not carrying around. You know, uh, you don't have to lift a hundred pounds on a consistent basis. You know, um, in our trade. Yeah. Well, speaking from a guy point of view, Robert, if I had to go into the trades today, I would find the trade that does good. That's going to do the least harm to my body. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's how I would look. Yeah, at it. because because every trade it doesn't. I, I have a hard time explaining this to people. It doesn't matter what the all the trades. You know, after twenty, thirty years, your body gets beat up. I mean, yep. that's that's just the nature of it. You know, that's right. part of construction. Um, so you know, but luckily, you know, my local here in Chicago, we have a relatively young retirement age. You know, so that's appealing to people. Um, you know, and like I said, the, the, the biggest thing is the availability of work and, and our, our pay scale um, definitely helps with retention and, and you know, getting, the, getting people to, to look at us as a, a viable option. 
Robert, we just have a couple minutes left here, and I'm reading about your your training facility, one of the largest insulator training facilities in North America. That that's quite an accomplishment. We might have to uh, set you up for another show to get into details on that. But briefly, uh, you know what what you know, maybe a little history on that, or how long it's been in operation, and uh, how it got to this point. Well, it got to this point by all the hard work of all the members who came way before me. Um, but we uh, we had a training facility that was more in the downtown Chicago area, and we were kind of landlocked. Um, we couldn't build up or out um, because of the, the, the parcel of land we were on. So we had started looking for options, and we ended up at just everything kind of fell into place, and um, we were able to sell and purchase a place in the uh, suburbs, Chicagoland suburbs, um, that... It, it was just a big empty kind of warehouse shell. So we were kind of able to design it to, to fit our needs. Um, so it, it just, it, everything kind of fell into place, but 2010, um, we purchased the, the building that we are currently in, um, which is roughly, my guess would be 30, just short of 38,000 square feet. Um, our previous school, was under 5,000 square feet. Um, so wow. quite a bit different. Um, thankfully, we had a lot of the other trades from across the area who, when we decided to, to build, um, you know, wanted to use, have, you know, their apprentices come and, and learn by installing, you know, uh, mock-ups and stuff that we used during our training. Um, we work with a lot of the other trades out in the field, so it's a, it was a very good fit for them to have their apprentices come help build our our apprenticeship school. Um, and we just, it was, like I said, the right time, right place. And, and thankfully, you know, all, from all the hard work of the members for the 100 years before we moved in the, into that building, um, we were able to, as a local, afford um, the cost of, of upgrading our apprenticeship school, which is, I think all our members realize that that's our bread and butter, you know, is turning out qualified, safe workers. Um, And, you know, having a professional looking school and curriculum and and training facility um, definitely helps with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you want. Robert McGuckin. Heat and Frost Insulators, Local 17, Joint Apprenticeship Training Council. He is the training director, Local17Insulators.com. Great job, Robert. You take care. Stay safe. Enjoy the upcoming holiday. And let's talk in the new year. How's that sound? That sounds great. I'd love to be back on. All right. That'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Tomorrow, the operating engineers in Michigan and the North Coast Labor Federation. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce Radio Podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.